Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Pink Mike Podcast. We are a podcast series that discusses the curiosities of womanhood with an emphasis on restoring your joy from abusive relationships and life's disappointments. And again, my name is Dr. Penny Smith. And with each episode, I have the gift of interviewing a dynamic guest and answer anonymous questions that I've been asked during various speaking engagements across the country. I am excited that today I have with me as my special guest, Elliot Hopkins. Elliot Hopkins is a former Wake Forest football player, and he is currently the Director of Sports, Sanctioning, and Student Services for the National Federation of State High School Associations. So today, our episode is called The Blind Side. We're going to explore the topic of domestic violence and sexual assault in high school athletics. And if you think the blind side sounds familiar, it's because we're taking the name of today's episode from the book by Michael Lewis that told a story about the evolution of the sport of football. And I thought that I would ask Mr. Hopkins to join me so that we could explore storylines in high school athletics that are often not talked about. And I'm talking about the 21st century blind side of athletics. And this is addressing domestic and sexual abuse by athletes. So thank you very much, Elliot, for joining me today. If you could just tell us a little bit about your role at the National Federation of High School Associations and a little bit about the association itself. Oh, fantastic. Well, good morning. And thank you very much, Dr. Penny. The National Federation is located in Indianapolis, Indiana. And our mission is to write the playing rules for high school sports in the United States. I've been fortunate enough to be with the Federation staff for celebrating my 21st year, and we celebrated our centennial this year. So we're 100 years old. Most people don't know who we are because we work in the background and support our 51 member state associations and District of Columbia associations. So I I happen to be working with the sports of high school baseball and high school wrestling, which I've grown very fond of over these last 21 years. That's kind of it in a nutshell what we do. It's a lot, but I want to encapsulate this quickly so we can get on to the topic. Yes, well, that is a lot. So essentially, is it correct to say that you all are essentially the high school version of the NCAA? Well, only in my mind. Uh, uh, Our next door neighbors, we're located in Indianapolis and we're right next door to NCAA. We're attached by a sky bridge and they have 400 employees with about 500, 600,000 young people who participate at the college ranks. And we have 40 employees. We have 12 million young people who who compete uh, in different stages in high school. So the governance is different. Our state associations, each state has a high school association, controls the eligibility, championships, transfer rules, and things like that. And we strictly are support and we provide the rules. So our member state associations voluntarily adopt our playing rules for their respective high schools in their state. So we're a kind of NCAA light. Okay, NCAA Light, I like that. But NCAA Light with 12 million high school athletes. Yes. Did I get that number correct? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Wow. So the work that you do is going to touch 
basically 12 million students across the country. If we're fortunate enough, if, if our reach, if, if that ripple can touch, can get out that far, yes, that's the goal. We work with our member state associations and through their work and 20,000 high schools, we touch and, and have opportunity to influence 12 million young people, either in the good or the bad. So we always work towards influencing them in the good. Wow. So I'd like for you to reflect on a statistic that is found in a study by the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. In this study, they found that high school football players were about 50% more likely to have abused their partner. We also know that there are some other studies that have told us that athletes tend to perpetrate sexual assaults on college campuses at a rate that is about six times higher than the rate of non-athletes. Now, I know the folks that the athletes that you're touching on are in the high school ranks, of course, but those high school athletes become college athletes, some of them anyway. So if you could reflect a little bit about this number, this study that's finding that in high school football athletic programs, that those high school football players are 50% more likely to have abused their partner than other athletes or non-athletes. Reflect on this and about how the Federation is trying to address these types of statistics and issues. Sure. I am not familiar with that study. It's very disturbing. You know, we still deal with young people. We're talking about, in in some parts of the country, a 14-year-old who will be playing high school sports, and they range from 14 to 18 or 19. So that's a huge gap and a huge range. And for our young people, as you well know, of your background, they're not that mature. And they're still in that frontal lobe but their brains is not fully developed yet at 14 or 15 years of age. And they run off emotion. And there's no excuse for any of it, but they are not full-functioning adults and how they process things and things like that. So that number is disturbing because we do not want anyone to hurt anyone else. That is not the role of the Federation. We see our sports and our activities, speech, debate, cheer, band, as another extension of the classroom. And as being an extension of a classroom, you participate in things to learn to be a better person. We are sports and, and the way we write our sports rules are not for the NBA or NFL or professional ranks or for college ranks. It's really for you to be the best young person you can be as long as you while you're playing high school. Because as you well know, most of the young people don't go on to participate at the, at, at the next level. So at the end of four years of high school, we just hope you had a good experience. You didn't get too banged up injury wise. And you can go out and be a contributing a young adult in society. But w- when you look at those statistics and read that report, that tells me there's a disconnect. And the disconnect, and we're not pointing a finger at anybody because we're all involved in trying to help these young people to do better. The disconnect is there's something not being said or something not being modeled or mentored while a coach has access to these young people. As you well know, coaches are influential in the lives of young people in high school. Sometimes you'll find a coach who will spend more time with a high school athlete or performing art student more than they, I mean, the young people spend time with their parents at home. So they have a tremendous amount of access and tremendous amount of influence. And we need to help those coaches do better, say the right things, model 
the behavior better so we don't have numbers like that. That's that's a scary, scary number. It is a scary number. It's scary. And I'm glad that your organization does not just address the student, those 12 million student athletes, but the coaches as well. I'm not sure what the number is on the coaches that you support, but talk a little bit about the initiatives that, that the Federation has going on that specifically supports coaches to try to help to support them, whether it's, it's training, rule clarification, but just not helping to support the coaches that we know have such a strong influence on these student athletes. Well, sure. And uh, I mean, the sports piece, that's the easy piece. We do that and we do sports well. We have a website, www.nfhslearn.com, that offers training for coaches and for parents and for students. It's our NFHS Learn Center, and the address is www.nfhslearn.com. And most of the courses are free. We talk about things like role modeling for adults, adult coaches. And not only for athletes, but also for the particip- for the uh, performing arts kids and uh, and the band kids and all that. But we also talk about how parents have a role. You know how to teach baseball, to how to teach basketball. We have that there as well, because we have access to twelve million. We need to do more and provide more. And with your work of working with us, uh, we're working on some free courses that will talk about dating violence. And we hope to have that released by the end of this year, early part of 2020, because we think it's important. Sometimes adults just don't know how to say certain things or don't know if they're going to overstep their role as the adult in the relationship with young people. But unfortunately, these these men and women are having more responsibility thrusted upon them because they have to be quasi-parents to these young people because they might not have that structure at their respective home. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll talk a little bit about just a couple of the statistics about teen dating and some of those trends, because that ties directly into some of the content that I was actually able to help to support you all with the online learning module. And I was shocked by it myself. So it basically said that there was a survey that was conducted on teens and how they date. And in this survey, it talked about the fact that 35% of teens in America between the ages of 13 and 17 have been on a date, whether it's casual or serious, right? So you've got more than a third of this age group that's actually dating. And when they talked about how they communicated through dating, 92% of them said that text messaging was the was the main way that they communicate. So between text messaging, apps, social media, talking on the phone, as you can see, technology plays a huge role in um, how they actually communicate with each other. And the top way that students rate that they break up with one another is using text messages and phone calls. So as a result, this was one of the things, one of the topics that I wanted to make sure that was the focus was looking at the way technology is now having an impact on the way teens date. And that also has some influence on some of those negative aspects as well. So if you could talk a little bit about if there are any initiatives that are happening at the Federation that specifically addresses social media, 
and technology as it relates to the behavior of student athletes? Yeah, you know, I must have been born in the Jurassic Park era because <laughs> the whole way now of, of young people communicating, and I'm not only high school, but I know some 20 something year olds that communicate the same way is just so foreign to me. I'm of the of the vintage where I like to talk to somebody and, and see their reaction and look them in their face. But that's old school. And so that being said, we need to address the issue at the level that they can understand and be receptive to what we're saying. And 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 people are using social media for all type of things. Hopefully most of it's good, but unfortunately, as you will know, some of it is really, really bad. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of modesty uh, with our young people right now. It, it's almost like a modesty-free kind of zone. And people have their rights, and young people have their rights to do whatever they want to do and, and show whatever they want to show. But there's always consequences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is, these are some of the top, top questions that I get, actually, when I uh, go around to do various speaking engagements, whether it's, whether it's a high school audience or a college audience. I get a lot of questions about technology and about, you know, is it okay? Will I get in trouble if I do this or if I do that? And I, I try to address those types of questions by talking about, you know, the legal aspect of it, but then also the social emotional consequences of it as well. And definitely, you know, let them know that, especially when I'm in a high school audience, that uh, that anyone under the age of 18 and in some states under 17, if you are distributing explicit photos of yourself or friends or someone else with or without their permission, that that is still considered child pornography. So we, we definitely you know, t- hit it from both of those angles for sure. And definitely I get quite a few, quite a few questions about technology. One question that I did get that kind of threw me off because I, I wasn't really expecting it. I was, I was giving a talk to a group of division one football players. And um, during a portion of the presentation, before we got to the Q and a section, I um, introduced them to some of the concepts that were coming from an organization called the Drake Group. So Drake as in D-R-A-K-E, Drake the Rapper, but it's called the Drake Group. And these are a group of individuals who talk about and make policy recommendations related to academic in- integrity in collegiate sport, right? And so one of the policy recommendations that I just, it, again, it was a very um, short portion of the entire presentation, but I talked about the fact that the Drake group had made a recommendation that NCAA institutions should not knowingly recruit high school athletes who have any history of dating violence, sexual violence, um, anything like that um, in their history. Um, now, of course, this is not an actual policy that the NCAA has promulgated, but this was a recommendation. Um, and, you know, again, I just put it out there as a talking point to the students to say we're, we're in a time where there's now policies being recommended about your high school behavior prohibiting you from being able to be a, an NCAA college athlete. And so helping them to understand that. Um, it, it's bigger than just a single moment that you have to think about, you know, future forward. 
And again, it was a very small portion of the entire talk. But at the end, I, I solicit anonymous questions. And one of the anonymous questions was asking me my personal opinion on did I agree with that policy recommendation or not? Um, and basically, what would be my stance on it? And so I always have to be really careful when students ask me to give a personal stance um, on something that, that really isn't necessarily black and white. It's real easy to talk about my personal stance on behaviors of, cons- of that lack consent and, and talking to them about, you know, specific consequences that I know are for sure when certain behavior um, is exhibited. But it's always tricky whenever they ask me what I think about things that there really isn't a right or wrong answer. Um, So I'll tell you what I said, and then I'd love to hear, Elliot, what your response would have been had this been your question. So this is the, the point in the segment where I talk about the question of the week. So one of the so so how I how I posed my position was that playing sports or any other extracurricular activity. It doesn't matter what what it is, whether you're in a registered student organization such as the band, theater, student government, that those are not entitlement programs, that um, institutions give you the gift of inviting you to be a student athlete or to be a band member or fill in the blank. And so what I say to them is that institutions do, I believe, um, they are well within, I believe, their mission of being a higher education institution to be able to limit who they recruit and who they will invite to be a student athlete uh, or in some sort of extracurricular activity on their campus. And um, I, I say, hey, it's no different than in some institutions, you have to write an essay. And essays are very subjective. And if that essay um, is deemed to be parallel with the mission and vision of that institution, you're more likely to get an invitation to be admitted as a student than if it doesn't. So I kind of paralleled um, their, their character judgment and any issues that they may have faced as a high school athlete as this is, this is part of your unwritten essay. This is your character essay and make sure that whatever activities you participate in, whatever behavior you exhibit, make sure your character essay could pass a test of subjectivity. And if it doesn't, I think that an institution should be able to say, no, we're not going to invite this individual here to participate in our athletic program because they don't espouse the values and the mission and vision of our athletic program or quite frankly, our institution. Um, So even if they allow you to be a student to be admitted because you met certain um, test criteria or GPA criteria, I told them that I don't think an institution should have to allow you to be an athlete if you don't meet their mission and vision of that program. Um, So so that's really more of of taking the character approach to it. But I'm curious, what would have been your response, Elliot, to do you think a high school student who has a history of either being accused or actually um, either having a legal consequence or not a legal consequence, uh, administrative consequences to some sort of incident that happened in high school? Should they be able to be recruited to be college athletes? I'm not too far 
off. I think I'm in the same church, maybe a different pew than you. I think everyone owns what they do. And I would hate to see a young person lose an opportunity to compete at the next level over an allegation um, in high school. But if, if all that pans out to be true, then I'm in 100% support. But this is the bottom line. And, and, and young people are getting it now. I didn't get it when I was playing football Wake Forest. I didn't, I didn't understand it like I understand it today. College athletics is big business. It's a business. Um, you can tell it's a business because we're seeing college football games on Wednesday night. So true. <laughs> Not just Saturday so, anymore. <laughs> no, so it's Wednesday night, Thursday night, Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll pick on my alma mater, Wake Forest. It's about $60,000 to go to school there. That's a quarter, almost a quarter of a million dollars just for one kid. If you have 50 football players, but you have more than that, mm-hmm. that's $12 million that the university has invested in this team. Wow. That's real. That's a lot of cheeseburgers. It is. Um, and that's annually. And that's annually. Yeah. So for that investment, you want to make sure that the people who are wearing those colors and that jersey are good citizens. Now, again, making, you know, we're not saying everybody walks the straight and narrow. Um, and they're perfect people because nobody is perfect. But you want to make sure that before you give that letter of intent to have that person sign it, that you've done your due diligence as a, as a good business decision that this young person is not bringing a whole lot of baggage to this university. Now, if they can play or if they can't play, that's really up to the coach, is pre, you know, pre-recruiting evaluation. And if he finds a kid who can't play, that's on him because he should have done a better job of, of seeing what this kid could do against good competition. Mm-hmm. But being a good person and not bringing, you know, a, a history of sexual abuse or assault to university is is critical because you lose you you gain so much more freedom once you get to a college campus. Excellent. High school is pretty regimented. You got to be a class a certain time. The teachers know you. They don't have access to your parents or custodians. They may pretty much know what's going on. You have to be in practice a certain time. They, they, they control and dictate your lives. But once you get to college, you don't have to go to class. You can just show up for practice. That always comes back and catches up with you. But there's no one. The professors are getting paid no matter what. If you're in class or not, they're still getting paid. So you have to be a little bit more mature. Um, and you have a lot more access and, and, and freedom around than you normally would in high school. And for those who are bringing uh, some negative behaviors and bad behaviors to a college campus, you don't want that on your campus. It puts everybody else at risk. Sure does. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So in these kind of situations where whether it's um, a student who has been um, there, there's an alleged incident. And there is not any type of, of legal ramifications or there has not been any type of, of administrative consequence from a school system. Um, what would you what would you tell the parent or that athlete from that point forward? So you, you, you had an allegation, but there's been no legal consequence and no administrative consequence. What do you tell them now going forward? If we're still interested in recruiting him, we're going to let you come in. 
and we're going to monitor the situation. You know, we, we can't address, uh, obviously, what occurred in the past is what happened in the past, but we're concerned. And you got to say the words. We're concerned that you fit the culture of this team or this uh, higher education institution. Because if you can't, then this is not going to be a good match for us. If you can, and it's great for everybody. But we have to protect ourselves and our image and reputation as a school. And you have to protect your reputation as a young person. And I think that's fair. That's a business approach to it. Mm -hmm. Let's not candy coat anything for these young people and say, oh, we know that was Susie was just you know, mad at you because you didn't take out to, uh, on the prom and you took out a girlfriend instead. This is real world. This is people's lives. And, yeah. and, we, and, and we have to treat it with a seriousness that it needs to be treated with. And, and, and everyone needs to know what's going on before you walk in that college campus. Because some schools, you know, uh, you know my, one of my favorite schools are um, uh, the uh, military schools. I just, yeah. I just find that so amazing that <laughs> you can go learn and be a soldier and protect our country and still play sports at the same time. Yeah. I, I think that's so neat. Um, <clears throat> but the academies, they need to have solid individuals. Because these young people will graduate and will be officers commanding a whole lot of other individuals. Mm -hmm. And if they're not buttoned up in, in, in a good person in, of nature, then you, what, what would you expect? It's, it's going to be, it's just, it's horrific um, to let them out and they're unable to guide and, and lead if they're not leading themselves any better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I sure do appreciate your time spent with me today, Elliot. I want to leave the last couple of minutes for you to just tell us um, any information about where we can find resources from the Federation um, and any other closing remarks that you have, whether it's to um, athletes or parents um, and then other resources that you want to share with us. Well, sure. Thank you. First of all, I want to thank you very much for the opportunity. Of all the millions of people you could talk to today, you chose me, and, and I take that full with, with an open heart and appreciation. And I, I do thank you very much for that. Very well. um, for, for, for your what for your folks who, who listen and, and your subscribers, um, just have a conversation with your young people and let them know what you think as an adult in their lives is appropriate behavior um, when, you, when you're dating. It's like tying shoes. And we all kind of remember when we first learned how to tie shoes. Without any instruction, you never get that knot straight. You never get that bow together. Mm -hmm. Young people don't know how to date because they're not being taught how to date. Mm -hmm. And they learn on the Internet. We know that's always a disaster sometimes. Or they learn yeah. from their friends, which could be worse. Or they learn from videos or things like that. But we need to have someone who is mature to teach them what to expect, what not to do, what not to allow happen to you when you're trying to date someone. And, and I think that will help things. Um, in terms of resources the Federation has, we're, we're always looking to grow our resources. Currently, we have NFHS uh, Learn Center, um, www.nfhslearn.com. More resources we put on that. It's 25 to 30 minute videos. Most of them will be free. Um, and again, it will just help you have the conversation, not only for parents, but also for coaches and adult advisors. 
it's hard to talk to kids about dating violence because it feels like I'm crept into a space that's really kind of none of my business. But Mm -hmm. if you don't say it, if you don't take advantage of your access and influence on a young person, they may not hear it at all. So don't be afraid to say the words. You won't fumble through your words. You won't make a mistake. Just tell them how you feel and tell them what you expect. Um, You know, I've been out of school, ooh, many, many years. And I still remember the words of my high school coaches um, of what to do and what he expected and how we conduct ourselves as young men. And yeah, I made mistakes over the years and maybe not listened to them all the time, but they still resonated deep in my mind and in my heart, my spirit. And I remember the words very clear, like you said them to me yesterday. And, wow. and with that, I want to thank you again and wrap it all up. But we're, we're excited to work with you and, in, in, in my first podcast in my life, I'm, I'm excited. I can put this in social media now. I'm, I'm no yes, longer a podcast virgin. You definitely can put this on social <laughs> media. We hope you share it. Thank you again, Elliot. Thank you, Elliot Hopkins, the National Federation of State High School Associations. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. Coming soon, my violence reporting and mental health coping app will be available to the public in the Android and Apple stores for download. Stay tuned for the launch date. If you or someone you know needs support healing from intimate partner violence or post-abortion grief, you can find my book on Amazon, Dr. Penny Smith, The Second Woman Bible Study. Healing from Intimate Partner Violence and Post-Abortion Grief.